hash mark angle to the left for Adams and Terry. 48-yard field goal attempt. Set to go. Snap ball down. Kick up. Kick is on the way. And it is good! It's good! It's good! Out in the ninth inning, here on the banks of the Mississippi River, the Red Sox need one more out. Swing a ground ball. again with my microphone on welcome one and all to episode 37 of the loudest sports show brought to you by the dork the, the, uh, brought to you by the dorkening network and sponsored by deadly grounds coffee you know if you combine the two of them it's dear that's that's what you get oh jesus Off to a really good start Oh, stumbling out of the gate just like the lakers against the suns in the do or die uh game six but we'll be getting to that uh Welcome, everyone. Uh, I am your host, Patrick Rahal, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd, and we are here in the Pat Cave of Magenta Manor, and uh, we are broadcasting, uh, well, I mean, we're live, but no one's here to see it. Uh, I am, of course, joined by my co-host on the show, my co-host in life. It's Slashes the Ice Queen. I am not Patsy the Angry Nerd. You are not. And just like everyone else who is not, you am not, and you am jealous. Eh, yeah. Am I really jealous, though? No. It might be. So we get a lot to talk I'm, about. I am jealous of the fact that you get to be married to me. Yes. Yes, a lot of people are, uh, people who are not me are jealous that they are not also married. I, I don't know what's going on. I'm... You're saying a lot of words. I'm saying a lot of words, and not a lot of them are making sense. So uh, let's see so if I can... Let's get into our opening face-off question. Yes, because we have a lot to go uh, to go over, because uh, there's a lot of stuff that's been going on. So, our opening face-off question, and I thought of this. I was watching some uh, some videos online on on the YouTube's, and um, I was watching a couple of rivalry videos, and it got me thinking: What is the best debut for an athlete of all time? Now. Uh, I already told you what my answer was, so I'll go first this time. For me, uh, I think one of the best debuts of all time is uh, Mario Lemieux, who in his very first game, in his very first shift, uh, on his very first shot, scored a goal. I mean, that's pretty impressive. But what makes it more impressive is that prior to doing that, he had stolen the puck from one of the greatest defensemen of all time, Raymond Bork. Took the puck right away from Bork, went right around him, shot and scored. First shot, first shift, first game. That's really friggin' impressive. I mean, that obviously would set the tone for how good Lemieux was, who at the time I think was the second best player in all of hockey behind, uh, obviously, Wayne Gretzky. But, I mean, 
Bork was up there too as one of the best players in the game. Mm-hmm. Certainly, uh, you could make the argument that he was one of the best defensemen, if not the best defenseman at the time. I mean, there were some quality defensemen, but you know, it, it might have been Bork being the best. So, what did uh, what did you what did you say? So I went with a hockey player as well. Uh, it's obviously the sport that I'm most uh, knowledgeable in. And I actually chose a more recent player than Mario Lemieux. I went okay. with Austin Matthews. Ooh, Austin. Austin Matthews made his debut on October 12, 2016, playing for the Maple Leafs against the Senators and scored four goals. Four goals in his NHL debut. Then those goals, those four goals, were the only goals scored by the Leafs that night. They ultimately went on to lose in overtime against the Senators. But <laughs> I mean, well, I, we're going to talk more about we'll that. Get into that as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he just he really set the stage for the phenomenal player that he's becoming. You know, he went on to win the Calder Award yep, later on that season. And, you know, Who is he he's, up against, do you know? Oh, I would have to. What year is it? Uh, 2017. So 2017. Yeah. But he was just, uh, he's a really promising player in the NHL right now. And I think he has what it takes to, you know, continue, not only continue having, uh, you know, a really promising career, a great career, but I think he has what it takes to be one of those really great players that we talk about, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now. We can be like, oh, I remember Austin Matthews. He had 40 you know? goals that year. 69 points, 82 games. Yeah, um, he beat Patrick Laine, who was uh, recently traded uh, at the beginning of, or in the the very beginning of this season for uh, uh, pa uh, Dubois, Patrice Dubois, I think his name, from uh, Winnipeg. Uh, from Columbus, uh, and um, Columbus's Zach Wierenski. Wierenski is not really a name, you know, that comes to mind when I think, ooh, you know, high-end scoring. Line, really good player, you know, but disgruntled and shipped out of town for uh, – is it Pierre-Luc Dubois? Jean-Luc Dubois? I don't know. Uh, uh, yes, either Pierre or... I think, I think it's Pierre-Luc. Pierre-Luc Dubois from... Uh, yeah, that, that was the trade that, hey, you have a disgruntled player who no longer wants to play for you. I have a disgruntled player that no longer wants to play for me. Who's a star. Who's a star. Let's just trade. Yeah, they swapped Let's just him. trade disgruntled players. Yeah, except the issue was uh, Dubois was like, oh, Columbus is too small a market. And it's like, all right, now you're going to Winnipeg. You know, that, that massive market that attracts free agents. I mean... That's it! Back to Winnipeg! Winnipeg is doing something. Winnipeg. Of all the cities in the NHL, Winnipeg is certainly one of them. <laughs> yes! Yes! Uh, uh, that What you said, though, about him scoring four goals in his first game also reminded me of uh, a rookie. Guy didn't... You know, he's a solid, you know, second or third line player. Um, and I think he benefited from having a lot of uh, uh, veterans around him, like Joe Thornton, Patrick Marlowe, uh, guys like that. But uh, Tomas Hurdle of the uh, San Jose Sharks also scored four games, uh, four goals in his first game uh, a couple years ago. Uh, they were, I believe, the headline 
the next day was Teenage Mutant Ninja Hurdle. Hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, that was a fun thing. But uh, another another one, and I'm sure there were folks listening to this screaming, screaming at me, uh, because this was this also helped uh, kickstart a ri- uh, a long, long deck, you know, almost two decade long rivalry. But uh, the first game of Tom Brady's career, his first start against the Indianapolis Colts, he came out and threw four touchdowns. I remember uh, I was doing fantasy sports, uh, fantasy football league. It was called Small World. And it was a really innovative uh, type of uh, of team because you would get a salary cap. And based on how well your players performed, uh, that salary, you know, they would go up or down and you could then, you know, release that player, get somebody else. You know, it was very interesting. And... I had spent pretty much all my money on, you know, higher end offensive players. I had Drew Bledsoe. And then I was like, because mm, I knew Bledsoe would be good for like 400 yards, you know, four touchdowns and two or three picks every game. So I was like, yeah, screw it. I only have 50,000. And that was the lowest, uh, that was the bare minimum you could get uh, for a player. So I took Bledsoe's backup, some guy nobody ever heard of out of Michigan. And uh, yeah, by the end of the year, he was like one of the most expensive players. So I was like, yeah, that was a good move. That was like my my one good move that I made in fantasy sports uh, for the past two-plus decade. Well, the, the length of Brady's career. But, yeah, he threw four touchdowns in his first game, if I remember correctly, against Peyton Manning, outdueled Peyton Manning for a win. So pretty awesome. I thought it was pretty cool. But, uh, I mean, that's, you know, neither here nor there. But that's a pretty impressive debut. So, you know, let us know some of the uh, more impressive debuts that uh, that you guys think of, because there, are, I'm sure there are a lot more that you know we're not even thinking of. But I just went with a couple that, you know, right off the top of my head, stuff that I I can uh, recall. You know, Brady and Hurdle. Uh, I don't remember because I really wasn't watching hockey that much uh, at the time that Lemieux made his debut. The Lemieux debut. Maybe that'll be the name of the episode. But, uh, yeah, so let us know. Uh, the Loudest Sports Show at gmail.com. You know, let us know on the uh, Facebook page as well. And uh, we're trying to push towards, uh, you know, we're trying to get 500 members on the page, Facebook page. So if you uh, want to send your friends over, you guys like uh, random memes, and now I learned how to do Photoshop so I can do Photoshop stuff. Uh, you might see a couple of Bergeron ones on there. Uh, send your friends over. Once we hit 500, I'll do a, uh, I'll do a nice little uh, giveaway once we hit uh, 500 members for uh, some nice autographed memorabilia. So with that being said, we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to get into all the news because there is a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. So we'll be right back. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, 
Get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. The following promotion is sponsored by Blu-ray Underground. In a world swarming with boring, predictable awards shows, what will separate from the rest? Rise above and unite the podcasting realm in a testament to the outstanding achievements of the community. The Amalgamania Podcasting and Entertainment Awards. Podcasters, YouTubers, and Twitch streamers, now is your time. Make your voices heard and submit your program by going to amalga-mania.com for all the details, submission categories, and guidelines. The Amalgamania Podcasting and Entertainment Awards, the summer's biggest blockbuster event. You don't want to miss it. This is Patsy the Angry Nerd, and I'm here to tell you about Slip Sports. All new clients for this online sports book receive $100 in free play just for signing up. From the casual players to the high rollers, everybody can take advantage of this offer and the live betting, online casino, horse racing, and more. Sign up with the Freeman app and send a request to basketballjones at post.com to get started. Tell them the Angry Nerd sent you. Are you looking to add to your collection of sports memorabilia? Trying to find that grail item to show off to your friends? Do you like to win? Then head on over to the Major Sports Drops group on Facebook. From pucks to jerseys, bats to helmets, Major Sports Drops is your place for sports memorabilia items dropped daily. Signed by today's stars as well as Hall of Famers. Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, Mike Ditka, Barry Sanders, Wade Boggs, Zdeno Chara, Odell Beckham, Lamar Jackson, Frank Thomas, and many more autographs have already been pulled. You can get in on the action for as little as $5 per spot. There are multiple drops each day, with special contests also running at various times each month as well. So join the Major Sports Drops Facebook group and get in on the action today. Bergeron takes a look, swings it to the open far side. McAvoy will march it ahead. Long strides out to center rice, carries it in. Hands to Marchand, far circle. Shoots, he scores! Brad Marchand with a dart that goes top shelf by Varlamov, and he shocks the crowd here at the Coliseum. Bruins win it 2-1 in overtime, and they take a two-games-to-one lead in this series over the aisles. And we are back. So there's been a lot of stuff going on, and we're going to start off uh, with uh, Slashes and uh, the NHL. So NHL awards update. They are slowly in the process of rolling out the final nominees for all of these awards. So, so far they have announced the Lady Bing Memorial Trophy nominees. And that award is presented each year to the player who has exhibited the best type of sportsmanship and gentlemanly conduct combined with a high standard of playing ability. So the nominees for that are Austin Matthews of the Leafs, Jacob Slavin from the Hurricanes, and Jared Spurgeon from the Wild. Solid, solid group. They're also, uh, you know, obviously very good offensively. And, uh, eh, I mean, I don't know who I'd give it to. Maybe, uh, 
I think I'd probably give it to Austin Matthews because of how nice he was, you know, not scoring at all against the Canadians, allowing the Canadians to move on, uh, even at the at the cost of another Toronto collapse. Well, so so, so here's the thing. Um, Austin Matthews is not the Toronto Maple Leafs. He's not the only person on the team. There are other people on the team who could have also scored. Right. So, and other people on the team did score. Austin didn't. Right. And neither did but, Mitch Marner. So. Why are you being so smarmy right now? Well, you know, I don't like his goddamn mustache. That's the thing. Speaking of not liking goddamn mustaches, this is you my full are playoff one beard. to talk. You want me to shave my playoff beard? No. Then we no, have this, this conversation every goddamn that I year. I suffer through every year. Right. We have the, that I don't like the mustache. fucking mustache. Yeah, but I just grow my, all of my facial hair. He has that terrible mustache. That is like, he's trying to be Bob from Bob's Burgers. Well, I mean, he's, he's trying, okay? And he's, he's failing. He's trying. He's fa- him and Sidney Crosby have some of the worst facial hair, especially when it comes to playoff facial hair, okay? I don't care how talented you are, like, learn to grow a goddamn mustache. You can't all be Joe you know Thornton, who, okay? You know who grows a better? Uh, Thornton could have donated some of his wizard beard to cover up that awful mustache that Austin Matthews has. You know who grows a better beard than Austin Matthews and Sidney Crosby combined? Charlie McAvoy, and he's 14. He's not 14. He's 14 years old and has a better better playoff beard. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, on to... Okay. But I, I just want to say one more thing about God, Austin Matthews. What? Austin Matthews signed a five-year, $58 million contract. So he counts $11 million against the cap, even though technically his salary is $700,000 this year. But he also has $15 million in signing bonus, so he's doing okay. Uh, or fifteen million two hundred ten thousand one hundred, and then you add the seven seven hundred thousand on. So he's making almost sixteen million dollars. You're making sixteen million dollars in fucking hockey, which is unfucking heard of. Like, you better score some goddamn goals in the playoffs, and he couldn't do it. That's why I'm all over him. Sixteen million fucking dollars. And let me throw one other thing up because I mentioned Sidney Crosby. Did you know that Brad Marchand in this year's playoffs has, or how about this, in game three against the Islanders, Brad Marchand has as many overtime winning playoff goals as Sidney Crosby does for his entire fucking career. Just throwing that out there. Just throwing it out there. And you know what? He doesn't make as much money as Sidney Crosby either. Will you and your mustache be quiet for a moment so I can finish talking about the NHL awards? Sorry, I get fired up about Austin Matthews. Anyways, the King Clancy Memorial Trophy. So that is given annually to the player who best exemplifies leadership qualities on and off the ice and who has made a significant humanitarian contribution to his community. So the nominees for that are Pecorine from the Predators, Curtis Gabriel from the Sharks, and P.K. Subban from the Devils. I think it's going to go to Subban. See, I don't know enough about Curtis Gabriel. I don't know anything about him at all. I know Pecorine uh, is very good. But uh, Subban has been, like, he's established a whole uh, 
like charity and stuff and he's uh he's actually quite a good dude like a, a do-gooder off the ice i know that suban does a ton of charitable stuff oh and just to throw it out that austin matthews i want to be sh- i want to be correct oh one goal and four assists in seven games for 16 million dollars it's pretty good yeah, it's like three million bucks. A the point. Calder Memorial Trophy presented to the players selected as most proficient in his first year of competition. The nominees are Kirill Kaprizov from the Wild, Alex. I'm gonna Nedeljkovic. Nedeljkovic. That's it. And I oh only know that because I've been watching the Hurricanes. I, you, I've been, but you know, it's it's some of these. This the one's way that this next spelled. one is a tough one. <laughs> Jason, Jason Robertson. Robertson of the Stars. All right, so Nedeljkovic is a goalie. Uh, he's yes. the only one of the three that's a goalie, and Nedeljkovic has played really, really well. Uh, the Hurricanes won their division, like, over over the uh, Lightning. Like, they came from, you know, way behind, and Nedeljkovic really helped them, but I still think it's going to go to Kaprizov. Um, he was the best player on the Wild. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's the one who really helped uh, him and Cam Talbot yes. were really the driving force yep. that, that made that series go as long as it did. Um, so I, I think it goes to Kaprizov myself. Uh, once all these, uh, once we do the uh, NHL awards, we will go back and we'll play cuts of who got nominated for what. Yes, because if you you recall, at the beginning of this season, we did episode twenty. Yes, we gave you our predictions as to who we thought would be nominated and win, and we were not good. (laughs) I will no, no, no. We don't know. We were really far off with some of our predictions. But I will say, I was way off on my Vezina pick of uh, Carter Hart of Philadelphia. Yes. Well, speaking of the Vesna Trophy, so that is presented to the best perceived goaltender. Uh, and the nominees for that this year are Mark andre Fleury from the Knights. I mean, obviously. Uh, Philip Grubauer from the Avalanche and Andre Vasilevsky of the Lightning. I think it's going to Fleury. Oh, yeah. Um, if a guy who has three Stanley Cups at age 36 suddenly has his best season of yes. his career and fun fact i learned about flurry the other day he has never been nominated for the vesna what so i think really? he gets it uh yeah i thought it was insane vasilevsky i believe is the reigning vesna uh champion he got it last year uh no i think it's hollabuck okay then he then he must have been nominated i, I don't know me, who the last couple uh, of uh, winners were Vez- Trophy yeah, look up the last last few. Uh... Yeah, okay, so Connor Hellebuck last year, Andre Vasilevsky 2019, oh, so Pecorine 2018, your favorite, Sergei Bubtitsky. Bobrovsky <laughs> Bob 2017, and Braden Holtby 2016. So, I mean, I uh, Vasilevsky has been fantastic this season i mean grubauer's been great too it could really go to any of these three nominees but i just i think that it's going to go to flurry grubauer's team did win the president's trophy but but in a tiebreaker with flurry's knights right so flurry uh, Flurry and and uh 
Leonard did win the uh, the Jennings Trophy. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. However, like, when they started, they're like, "Oh, we need to give, we need to give Flurry a rest." Uh, yeah, in they game started. One. Yes, they started Liner, and it didn't go so well. Yeah, he gave up seven goals in game one to the the point where it was so bad, Liner wasn't even dressed the following game. They had somebody else. They were just going to park the Zamboni in front. Yeah, they're just like, you know what? We'd be better off just not having a goalie if Flurry, you know, if anything happens. Yeah, we'll just put, Um, we'll just put, uh, you know, Petrangelo back there and give him a goalie mask and tell him good luck. Yeah. Uh, they also announced the nominees for the Ted Lindsay Award that is awarded annually to the league's most outstanding player in the regular season as judged by members of the NHL Players Association. And the nominees are Sidney Crosby from the Penguins, my favorite person, Austin Matthews of the Leafs, your favorite person, mm-hmm. or Connor McDavid of the Oilers. I think it's going to Connor McDavid. Oh, it's going to McDavid. Like that's It so has to. Crosby had 65 65- points in the se- in the regular season. Matthews had 66 points in the regular season and uh McDavid had 105. <laughs> yeah, I mean Gee, that, I wonder, like yes. it's not like it's right in between. No, but, but here's the thing, you know, you also have to look at these players as playmakers. You know, uh so sometimes being a playmaker doesn't always uh show itself in the points. However, in this instance, you know, really Connor did. McDavid playing with Dreisaitl, like, those two have just been, A, a so entertaining to watch this past season, but those two have racked up so much points, so many points together, that well, Dreisaitl it's, is MVP it's ridiculous, last year. right. So, um, I, I, I think it, it has to. It has to go to so, Connor McDavid. Um. Matthews played 52 of 56 games, 41 goals, 25 assists. That's, you know, really good. Uh, let's see, Sidney. Sidney Crosby. This is uh, according to uh, NHL.com. Oh, yeah, sucks. here it is. Sidney Crosby sucks, according to NHL.com there. I said it. Yeah, well... He was 10th in the NHL with 62 points. I was incorrect. 24 goals, 38 assists in 55 games. Um, he did lead the league in, or he led Pittsburgh in points per game. So, I mean, uh, I don't know. Uh, Matthews did lead the NHL in goals. But see, here's the thing about these awards. So these are different than the awards given for stats. These are awarded to um, based off of I think this person based on the when they scored their goals, how they scored their goals. You, you know, the player that they are. Like these are more uh, opinion based well i mean versus well you know these other awards that have already been handed out that are stat based right like the jennings or like the 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 uh, art ross trophy like 
it, how many points. Like, you can't argue. It's like, well, right. he had 60, it's, but it's, he had 100, you know, and, you know. Those are set in stone. Those are based on, you know, legit stats from the season. These awards, you know, and, and some of it, you know, when coming up with the nominee, the nominees and stuff uh, are based upon, you know, the different statistics and stuff from the season. But when it comes down to actually voting for these nominees, it's all based on personal opinion. What is your personal voting criteria when it comes to voting for these specific players? How are you? Are you voting just on opinion of the player? Are you taking into consideration everything that they've contributed to on the ice? Are you looking at the big picture? Are you looking at the small picture? There's a, it, it's not as uh, cut and dry when it comes to voting for some of these other wards as it is for the ones that are handed out for strictly performance. And this one, see, this is voted on by the players. So, like, they know. And even this one, this is going to be tough because, you know, Matthews and McDavid played against each other, but they didn't play against Crosby. They didn't play against most of the playoff teams well, and, that are in the NHL right now. And that's the thing, you know, with these restructure, restructured divisions, you know, uh, Two of these players are in the same division. Right. Would, would And would they have performed as well if they were playing in the normal, typical divisions they would have been in? Right. Is Matthews going to put up the points? Or, and is McDavid going to put up the points that he's putting up playing against Colorado, Washington, Vegas, Boston, uh, uh, Tampa? I was going to call right. them LA. So Tampa. It's the be, big, heavy, good defensive teams with solid goaltending. It's going to be interesting if they put an asterisk next to the season. I don't think if they will. If they decide to stick with these restructured divisions for the next season, I, there's a lot up in the air right now. Um, but what's not up in the air is... Is the NHL draft? Well, I, I had one more what? thing. To, I didn't, mustache. I didn't talk about Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid, uh, after, although leading the league with 105 points, finished 21 points ahead of no, place number two, which was his teammate Leon Dreisaitl. So he had 33 goals and 72 assists. So he led the the league in assists, even strength points, 24 goals, 44 assists, which is better than. So his just his even strength points, he had more points than both of those guys. Um, power play points, nine goals, twenty eight assists, and was second in goals and game winning goals behind Austin Matthews. So just based on that, I think they should uh, they should get it. He should get it. Sorry. So the NHL draft lottery happened this past week, and kind of surprising, but. Not a surprise at all. The Buffalo Sabres ended up with the number one spot. Which I think is grade A bull plop. The Seattle Kraken ended up with a number two slot. So that's kind of where uh, some people have some disagreements. You know, typically, if this was a normal season, we weren't going to be getting an, an expansion team. You know, absolutely, the Buffalo Sabres should be the number one because they are the most terrible team in the league right now. Um, but they also keep getting these number one draft picks, and they're not doing anything with them. So that that's equally as frustrating. No, that's not uh, true. They're overpaying Jack Eichel. 
But, you know, the the Seattle Kraken, this expansion team, has one person on their roster right now. So I really feel like they should have gotten, they should have received the number one draft pick. It should have been automatic. Like, there should uh, you know, have been no they, question. They have, they have one person on their team. You know, they really need to build something. And, um, you know, obviously the expansion draft is going to happen after the playoffs and everything. And that'll be interesting to see, you know, which players are locked into their slots and which players are, you know, put into this expansion draft. But yeah, I, I think that the Kraken should have received the number one slot. Buffalo should be number two. Uh, number three is the Anaheim Ducks. Number four, the New Jersey Devils. And number five, the Columbus Blue Jackets. I'm going to, you know, as, as you're talking, like I kind of, I thought of something and a reason why you shouldn't automatically give the Kraken uh, first crack at the number one pick. Oh, I see what um, you did there. Because there are, as we saw with Vegas a Is few years ago. Is it because of the fact that they're Because going of the expansion draft. Right. You're going to get a lot of solid uh, NHL-ready players, guys who can come in and immediately make an impact. And there's going to be a lot of guys, because of the salary cap, who might be making a little bit too much money, uh, based, and, you know, too much money based on their uh, output you know, offensively or defensively or, like, they're not living up to their contract. And it's like, oh, well, this guy's making $8 million bucks a year, and he's awful. You know what? Maybe we leave him out there. You know, maybe we expose this guy. You know, oh, well, you know, we were going to keep you or you, and, you know, he's five years younger and making $5 million less. You know, you're more talented but this guy, you know, he's he's younger and has a higher upside. We know what you are. You got your big deal, and now you're not playing up to it. So, you know, get get cracking. No, but you make a, a really valid point. Because of what happened with Vegas, they received a lot of really good players right out of the gate. Marcia so Carlson. They Carlson had 40 fucking goals. Say, they instantly were a contender. Right, they were, I and think, they've been a contender since their inception. Right, like they're going to get, they're going to have a good goalie, you know. They're going to have, you know, whether you know, who knows who it could be. I mean, it's not going to be Tuka Rask. It's not going to be Jeremy Swayman, Dan Maybe Vladar. it's Halak. I was going to say it could be Yaroslav Halak because he's going to be a backup, and he may end up as a backup out in Seattle because uh, he's not he's not coming back. To the Bruins, um, there's no use. But there, the Bruins, there's no reason for that. But there's a lot of like you know, you know, behind the scenes stuff because like you have to expose two goalies, and the Bruins signed two random dudes. Mm-hmm. You know, at like whatever deadline they needed to sign them at. So it's like, listen, we're going to sign you, and we're going to give you X amount of money. You're never going to play, but you're here because we need to expose two goalies. Uh, and you can't do it with Rask because he's a restricted free agent. You can't do it, or an uns- he's a free agent one way or the other, restricted or unrestricted, I don't remember. You can't do it with Halak, who's also a free agent. So the only other two goalies would be Vladar and Swayman. And Vladar, meh, maybe, but Swayman, fuck you. No, we're keeping that guy. Right. That guy's fucking awesome. So we're not we're not getting rid of Swayman. Um uh, and you can't expose a guy who's a free agent. So um, I think we'll just uh, 
you know, I, I think it's going to be interesting. I think with the number two pick, you know, a guy that, you know, because I don't know where Seattle's going to go as far as their division. Like right now, the only place they could go is the Canadian division because that's the only one that has seven teams because the Seattle will be the 32nd team. I mean, unless you want to further imbalance the league and have, you know, nine teams in, in one division and seven in another because they're all Canadian. I mean, worst case, you make Buffalo play in the Canadian division, you know. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's what I think. So what else? What else has been going on in the playoffs there, Slashes? So Toronto completely collapses yet again in the what? first round. I know Toronto. This is my surprise face with Austin Matthews. Oh my God! Shut up, mustache. Um. So I must ask you how they lost. <laughs> they were up three games to one against Montreal and then proceeded to lose three games in a row. You only needed one more game to win, and you couldn't do it. If only their top two scorers had stepped up after the very unfortunate John Tavares uh, injury. Yes. Oh, who's, who's looking better? Yes, he was skating, but there's no way in hell he's oh, going to practice. Mean, I mean, play. Right, right. But what I'm saying, though, is, you know, compared to what we saw on the ice, what we saw last week, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's every day getting he's, he's better. getting better, which is something that you like to see. You hate to see a guy, uh, you, you hate to somewhat see someone's career ended on a play like Especially that. Especially because I think Tavares is only like 27, 28. Like, I'd have to look it up, but I think he's I think he's young. Um, but, yeah, but like, I, that just shows that you. they just couldn't. They just couldn't get their shit together. He just, he just he'll be 31 in September. So he's still. Okay. But think about that, though. I you have a baby. Uh, you know, and, and there was a meme going around, you know, because there was a quote from one of the uh, executives. It's like, why do you pay a goalie $10.5 million, referring to Carey Price? to stop $48 million worth of forwards because Marner, Matthews, and Tavares combine make $48 million. The salary cap in the NHL is $80 million. So you have these three high-end offensive players who, don't get me wrong, making that type of money, it makes sense. But not all three of them on the same fucking team. Having all three of those guys on one team means you can't invest other places. See, I like what the Bruins have done because they've kind of spread out all the money. Like, yeah, Marshan, Bergeron, Pasternak, uh, Krejci, and Rask all make $7 million. I think uh, McAvoy makes 5 and change, uh, but he should because he's going to win the Norris Trophy this year. At least he should. Um, we'll get into Brendan Carlo in a, in a little bit. But mm -hmm. he makes three and a half. Um, you know, so it's kind of spread out. You know, you have guys that make three, four, five, as opposed to I have three guys that make 16 each or count, you know, 12 million against the cap. And now I can't, I don't have any depth. You know, like that's, that's tough. You have to rely on, you know, admittedly, a lot of high draft picks. Mm -hmm. But you have to hope that they're ready or guys towards the end of their career, <laughs> Joe Thornton, um, yeah, and hope that, you know, 45-year-old guys, you know, searching for a cup, which I felt so bad for Joe Thornton. Like, I'm going to go win a cup in Toronto. No, you're not. You're not going to be you're able to not. get past the first round in Toronto. Yeah, like, 
And again, this just goes back to my they were that division wasn't good. Like you have a team like Montreal who has nobody. Well, uh, let's get into that. Montreal in the second round leads Winnipeg two games to none, which is nuts. This is like one of the best goaltending matchups uh, right now. Hella Buck and Price. Well, Carey Price had his eighth playoff career shutout in game two. Yeah, and a shutout in the playoffs. I'm just, just a shutout in the playoffs. Yeah, but that happens more often well, than I you mean, think. It, it does, but like it doesn't. It does, but it doesn't. You know, usually it's X to one. Usually somebody can at least score a goal. Yeah, and usually like, it's... Carey Price has been amazing. Now, I don't know if he's going to be amazing against some of these other teams outside of his division, but he's definitely the best goalie coming out of Canada right now. Um, yeah, I, I would say right now, and to give you, to kind of put it in perspective, um, the, uh, the Jets, I mean, I'm sorry, the Canadiens had like four or five attempts at the empty net, and uh, Winnipeg was able to shake all of them off. And the only reason they scored their second goal was on one of the worst fucking plays I've ever seen. And that was when Evans buried the, the yes. empty net. Yes. And then uh, Mark Shifley from the fucking goal line on the other side of the ice. Now, there's a lot of people who were, because we have to talk about this. There's uh, a lot surrounding this right now. There's a lot of debate as to whether or not this was a dirty hit. And I, I put it down to one thing. He never tried to play the puck. And that's that's it. But he, he charged. He charged from one side of the ice to the other to this player who had nobody else around him. Yeah, and he he tucked he tucked his uh, arm in, took his hand off his like, stick. He never tried to. He, he was braced just for impact. Evans had no idea that he was coming. I mean, Evans might have known he was coming, but but he Evans wanted... didn't have a chance to really react to it. That's why he was super exposed to this hit, which is why the hit looked the way that it did, and he was it. it he just went down, and he stayed down for a I while. I mean, he went. He went down because he went up in the like. If you've seen this, he got flipped up in the air. And there's a lot of people that are like, "Oh, that's just old time hockey. That's just a solid yeah. hit." No, it's not. That's literally a charge on the definition of what charging is. And you know, the reason why Shifley was suspended for four games was because uh, if a play, according to the rules, rule 42, if a player is injured then there will be a suspension based on a charge. So because Shifley went from one end of the ice to the other at full speed, like I think Evans knew that Shifley was coming for him and he knew that he was going to get hit. You know, he knew there was going to be some kind of impact. And I don't think Shifley was trying to hurt him like he did. No, no. Uh, he's also come out. I believe this is his first suspension of his career. Yes. Uh, 
really apologetic about it. That was not his intent. He gained way too much momentum coming from the other side of the ice. It was just kind of a... a the way things went, how everything played out, he wasn't expected. Like, he honestly thought he was just going to knock him into the boards. He, and, and here's the thing. And he did, but he did it in, in such a way that, you know, I mean, Evans flipped. Shortly before, <laughs> and he landed on his sca- fucking head. Right, and that's the thing. It was, it was how he landed. I saw it, and I thought, holy shit, this guy broke his neck. He might be dead. Because he hit the ground and did not move. He was unconscious when he was flying through the air. That's how hard he was hit. Because he did not try to brace himself in any way, shape, or form. He was unconscious from the hit because he had his head down and Shifley just came and in and drilled him. And when you see them, you know, laying him out, getting him on the stretcher, taping his legs together... Yeah, like that's so never a, yeah, that's never a good sign either. So, um, you know, there was in, I, I say it's dirty because there was some intent there. It was dirty you know, because it it literally broke the rules. He never tried to play the puck. It, he was uh, aiming for a big hit. It was you know there are guys who like Tom Wilson who obviously go out. Oh, if that wanting was Tom to Wilson. That's someone. a thirty game suspension. You know, wanting Nazem to Kadri. hurt someone. Um, he wanted to make an impact i think he wanted to send a message out of frustration well you also have Uh, to remember that but he didn't intend to hurt evans in that way shifley had taken a penalty a very montreal type of thing where he was getting cross-checked and he turned around and retaliated and he got the penalty you know so and that was maybe three four minutes earlier like, I think there was, like, five minutes left in the game when that happened, and it was still one to nothing, and it's like, oh, fuck, you know, like, Montreal does it again. So there was that frustration. There was the fact that there was under a minute left, and this guy was going to score an empty net goal. Mm-hmm. Like, had he reached out with his stick and tried to poke it away and, like, threw his in his follow-through, made contact, he's not getting suspended. But the fact that he just tried to crush this guy... Because he was frustrated that they were losing, frustrated that he had taken a bad penalty, you know, frustrated because Montreal plays the way they play, frustrated that they were about to go down 2-0 after upsetting. Uh, no, they didn't upset. They uh, the Jets. Who did the Jets beat? Uh, yeah, they upset Edmonton. Yes. Like and again, you know, because I railed against Austin Matthews. Fucking Drysdale and McDavid didn't show up either that series. You know, for a guy who had 105 points, or between them had 189 points. I think they had, like, four combined points against Hellebuck in uh, the entire playoff run. Mm-hmm. Like, that's awful. They got And they got swept. Like, I, I think the, the two best teams in the Canadian division are playing in this series. I mean, obviously, because they're the only two left, but, like... They were the lower seeds, and they both won their series. Right, but just wasn't it, I wasn't expecting Montreal to show up like this. I thought Montreal, and I think we both said it. Unless Carey Price plays like vintage Carey Price, Montreal has no shot, and they're going to get bounced. Now, we've been discussing the very real possibility that whoever wins because. After these four series are done, 
everything's getting reseeded. So you'd be looking at uh, whoever comes out of the West, you know, either uh, Colorado or Vegas, is going to get the lowest seed, which could be Montreal. Mm-hmm. So Montreal stays and wins this series. They're going to face either Colorado or Vegas, which is setting up a nice Bruins, I'm hoping, against either Carolina or Tampa. And Tampa right now is up 5-4 to four going into the third period. Again, you can't win NHL. Uh, you can't win the Stanley Cup giving up five, six goals a game. You can't. Right. Well, Tampa currently leads Carolina two games to one. So they're playing game four right now. In Tampa, yeah. Yeah, and in Tampa's Tampa. Tampa's up five to four. Um, so if the Bruins should win, like, it doesn't matter. Whoever wins the Bruins-Islanders will play the winner of um, the, uh, the Tampa-Carolina because those were one and two in their division. Right. So... Um, it could be I, Bruins Montreal for the fucking they, Stanley uh, Cup. Uh, there, that is a possibility. How amazing would that be for the NHL? I mean, you have this original six matchup, fucking rivalry. Which I was just to say this. I mean, and this rivalry spans for over a hundred years, decades, over a hundred years, over a century, like. And these are teams who things really got heated up around the time that the Bruins won the Cup, you know, and a few years after. And then because Montreal went tanked one way and the Bruins consistently were good and consistently uh, competed for the Cup, you know, or at least, you know, made, you know, strong playoff runs, um, you know, it hasn't really, it's kind of gone away. Kind of like how the Red Sox and Yankees really haven't had much of a rivalry since, you know, 2004. Um you know, maybe 2008 in there because they won and then uh, the Yankees won two years later. But this could be amazing. I mean, Tuca's got to keep playing the way he's playing and Price has to be even better because he has no Uh, offense in front of him. Right. So it'll be interesting to see what happens when the Canadians play out of, or say a Canadian team in general plays out of their division this season. Um, So Colorado currently leaves Vegas two games to one. Vegas rallied to score two goals in 45 seconds in the third period to win game three. Yeah, that, that was nuts. Like, the way that game, like, because I went, we, I was because it started at 10.30, so, you know, I'm getting ready to go to bed. It's around 1. And I'm like, oh, let me put the game on while I'm, you know, getting into bed and getting ready to settle down. And they scored, and then they scored 45 seconds later. The third goal was insane. Uh, Theodore shoots from the left point, and it's a rising puck, and Grubauer sees it. You know, he's a Vezina uh, finalist, and he goes to jump up to block it, but Max Pacioretty somehow, out of nowhere, swats the puck down, and it actually went underneath the skates of the jumping Grubauer into the net to take the lead with uh, like four and a half minutes left. It was unbelievable. Like it was one of the best goals I've seen. Like I'll put it up there against Hall and, and Pasternak's goals. 
Um, like it was, it was unbelievable. And then, you know, Colorado put their big guys out there, you know, McKinnon and, and, and Landis Gog and, and those guys and, and Rantanen and just peppered Flurry with shots, like pulled their goalie and just poured everything they had at him. And Flurry was just like, not this time. It was amazing to watch. And in that same series, so uh, Nathan McKinnon of the Avalanche leads the league with eight goals in the current playoffs. Yeah, like that, I'm, I'm not surprised. Like McKinnon is one of the few guys uh, across the league to, you know, continue his good. And that's what happens when you play in a tough division. You have to continually raise your game. You know, so guys like Kucherov, Pasternak, Marchand, um, you know, McKinnon, those guys are living up to their expectations. But none of those guys are, are you know, finalists for any of these awards. If you notice that all the guys that are finalists for the awards have all been bounced out of the playoffs already, you know, with the exception of, you know, Flurry and Grubauer uh, and Vasilevsky, not, not counting the Vezinas, but, like, all these top offensive guys have all been bounced out of the playoffs because they couldn't do it in the playoffs, which I think is interesting. So, uh... What's brewing? So Boston currently leads New York two games to one. The Bruins won game one, five to two, thanks to a hat trick by Pasternak. Again, living up to uh, regular season expectations. Right. Uh, They lost game two in overtime, four to three, which, I mean, it happens. They played really well, though, for the most part. It was a bad play by Lozon. Yes. Who... Passed the puck. It went off of, uh, I think it was McAvoy's skate. It went off of, uh, no, um, Smith. It went off somebody's skate and just ricocheted right back out. And uh, who the hell was it? And uh, Either way, he was on a, a breakaway. I think Tuca could have stopped it, but whatever. And they won game three thanks to an overtime goal by Brad Marchand. A great overtime goal. He literally had just come onto the ice, left like left off the bench, grabbed the puck, and went right to the goal. He was on the ice maybe like three seconds. And what's funny is afterwards, because people were like, was it a snipe? Was it just like you know an amazing shot? Because Varlamov played out of his fucking mind. Varlamov is the only reason why these games haven't been like 8 to 2. This game should have been like yeah, it should have been like a, an 8 to 2 because game. Because the Bruins offensively have been playing so fucking they put good. 40 so shots good. on goal. And here's the thing, even their power play has been good. However, they have nothing to show for it because Varlamov has been standing on his fucking head. Yeah, Varlamov has played so well in these uh last couple of games, like especially game 3. You, it's really frustrating to watch. It's like, <laughs> well, that goalie is really good. Put like, the other guy what in. What the hell, you know? It's like I, I kind of wish that, you know, just give him a break, you know, put the other guy in. Maybe maybe, you know, you know maybe it's, he doesn't funny. feel well. Because this is a this is a team that only got this goalie because the uh, the Capitals were like you know we have Holtby we don't need this Grubauer guy and they sent 
Grubauer to be the backup to Semyon Varlamov. And then, and then Colorado Grubauer showed up. Col- yeah, that's what I'm saying. They sent Grubauer out right. there well, that's what I'm saying. to back him up. Right. And then Grubauer was like, yeah, I'm really good. And they're like, shit, we have two good goalies, but this Grubauer guy is better. We'll ship Varlamov up. And they shipped Varlamov over to the to, Islanders. Right. Like, you know, it, so because Washington was like, we have our guy, we have Holt B, and we're going to get, uh, you know, we're going to get better. So they shipped him off. And where's Holt B now? Vancouver at home. Um, <laughs> but they put 40 shots on goal. But yeah, to get back to that, um, that Marchand goal, like it, he was below the goal line when he shot that. And Varlamov had given up a lot of rebounds, but a lot of the times the rebounds he gave up went to empty space because, you know, he was just on. So a lot of the rebounds went to empty space, so the Bruins didn't really have a chance to just, like, bury a ton of pucks. And the few times that they did, Varlamov was up for the challenge. So what he was looking for, because if you watch the play again, Bergeron is crashing the net center ice. Bergeron's waiting for that rebound. Mm-hmm. But it just went right in between uh, Varlamov's shoulder so and he, the and post. Here's the thing. They need to get it up and over. Yeah, they weren't elevating the puck, and that was one of the biggest issues. Like, we both said that. Like, they kept shooting it into his pads, into his chest, he's into his legs. He's looking for the low pucks. He's going to get, like, he's that good. He's going to get the low pucks. You need to somehow get it over him, over his arm, over, you know, his shoulder. Between uh, his, you know. The, that's his weak spot. You know, unlike Tuka, who's five a hole. spider, you know. Yeah, like, but his, his five hole's been. Yeah. Yeah, um, but I will say this though: one of the things that the Bruins said that they had to do was get more pucks on the net. And at one point, like their defense was stifling, and it was kind of like it was a weird thing because Craig, uh, not Craig. I mean, obviously Craig Smith scored like right away at the beginning of the game, but uh, Chris Wagner had an opportunity, and um, he was whacking at the puck. That was right at the corner, but Varlamov had his skate right up against the post, and they couldn't get it in. When uh, New York scored, they scored on an identical play. Same right post. Tuca had his skate up against it, but somehow uh, they were able, I think it was Barzal that scored, or Beliveau, um, was able to kind of, the way he had his skate it kind of flipped up and over his skate and went in. Like, but it was the identical play. It's just, there's, you know, that's what we talk about when we talk about hockey being a game of lucky bounces sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, you see two, two play. I mean, obviously, Wagner's not as skilled as, as that the top line um, of the Islanders, but... It's just, that's how it happened to be. Like, that was the angle of the skate, and it flipped over, and... And that, I was concerned because that was like five minutes left. The Bruins had, had they at one point, uh, the uh, Islanders had been out shooting them thirteen to eight. At that point, it was like thirty-five to eighteen. They had outshot them twenty-seven to five. You know, some ridiculous shit like that. Like the third period, they put twenty shots on, and they only, uh, you know. The Islanders only had three. So heading into game four, Carlo is out. Uh, he 
was hit last game. It was a clean hit. It was a clean hit uh, into the boards. He just kind of got a little dazed. No, he was very dazed. And I think that he's had some lingering concussion issues because we've pointed this out. His game has not been on. He's been making a lot of dumb mistakes. Mm -hmm. And this one, he was wobbly on his feet. He was trying to get up and he was kind of shaking and he fell down and like at what and he just stopped trying to get up and just kind of knelt behind the net because he wasn't going anywhere. So it looks like Jacob Tenorti is in. Yes. I would really like that, you know, if Kevin Kevin Miller could be back, he's been skating. But he's not ready to come back. Oh, yeah. Because he got fucking concussed, too. Yeah, it's it's too early for him. It's too much of a gamble to put him back in yet. He's not ready. So Tenorti is going to be in. And Cassidy was quoted saying, you're probably going to see a lot of different partners tonight together. Whatever helps us win is how we'll approach it. So they're probably, you know, in practices running a whole bunch of lines uh, prepping them for changes last minute, which is, you know, what he does. Like, hey, you're not working with this person. Let's switch it up. Let's do this. I think so, you're going to see a lot of, like, the lower-end pairings, you know, like Tenorti and Clifton uh, matched up matched up with either Grizzlick or um, McAvoy, who uh, led the team in minutes. He played, like, 34 minutes, something like that. Like, he led the team in minutes. He, um he had 29 minutes through regulation. So, I mean, but he's young and he should be able to do that. And especially, like, you want to prove that you're the heir apparent to Chara, who used to play 30-plus yeah. minutes a game. There's a reason. Like, that's what you want to do. I mean, I know he's not nowhere near the size or conditioning of Chara, but this is what he's he's got to do. So, and it looks like we have some uh, breaking news. Um, the... Lightning have defeated the Hurricanes six to four to take a uh, three to one lead in their series. And uh, yeah, like I said, um, if this is what you're doing, you can't you can't do uh, you you can't give up five six goals a game and expect to uh, to advance in the playoffs. Not in the Stanley Cup. Uh, and there's also a uh, a reaction to. Uh, uh, from Mark Shifley, which we didn't get to, and I'll just read this real quick because I think it's uh, uh, it's interesting. Uh, he said, "My only thought, the o- my only thought in my mind is to prevent a goal." Shifley said, "There's no malice there, no intent. I don't go in with the frame of mind of injuring a hockey player." The NHL argued that Shifley made no attempt to make a defensive play on the empty net attempt, and that by taking his hand off his stick and turning his shoulder into Evans, he was quote conceding the empty net goal and turning his attention to delivering quote a hard violent check to an opponent with the outcome of both the play and the game already having been decided uh and shifley's responded to that saying i'm not preparing for a hit i'm preparing for contact he's trying to get to that post and i'm trying to get to that post that's completely incorrect well if that's the case and you think it's close reach your fucking stick out you know, like the stick's going to get there before uh, yeah, you. At, at least make some attempt to say, hey, I'm trying to make a play. I'm trying to be defensive. You know, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to make a defensive play. You know, say something, do something that shows that your intent isn't to 
put someone else's body into the boards. Yeah, like, and that was... Or send someone flying across the ice, you know? Make an attempt to act upon the play, do something, you know, hockey-related that's not check someone into the boards. Right. And uh, with this game, um, Braden Point got his seventh goal, so he only trails uh, McKinnon. Uh, for the playoff lead. Mm-hmm. And uh, Vasilevsky has tied uh, Nikolai Habibulin for most playoff wins by a Russian-born goalie. That's a fun last name. Yeah, it starts with a K. <laughs> of course it does. Habibulin. Um, so, yeah, let's, let's move on to uh, Major League Baseball. So the Cleveland Indians are currently... Uh, considering and vetting a few new names uh, in their history. They have been called a few different things. The Spiders, the Guardians, and the Avengers, although I think Marvel may have something to say about that. Although, the cross-promotion just writes itself. Like, we're the Spider-Men. You know, we're the Guardians of... I don't even know where they play anymore. I know it used to be Jacob's Field, but I don't think it has been for about two decades. Uh, so I don't remember what the name of their field is. It's probably like, you know, Kraft Macaroni and Cheese presents the Cleveland Indians or some shit. Uh, and the Avengers, obviously, you know, they could all wear Iron Man suits one night, like fly out onto the uh, onto the onto the field and like the pitcher's mound opens up and like takes the suit off of like, uh, you know, Shane Bieber or something as he as he walks to the mound. What kind of Terry Francona budget comes out. do you think these guys have? There's no salary cap in baseball. Like, like there are guys. There there are team salaries that are in excess of two hundred million dollars. You know, the Red Sox, the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers were at like three hundred million at one point. So it doesn't matter. Uh, the Sox beat the Yankees last night in the first of their three game set. Uh, so that puts them at 33 and 20, uh, 34 and 23, uh, still behind Tampa Bay, but still ahead of the Yankees, who are 31 and 27. And uh, anytime the Sox beat the Yankees, I'm happy. Devers crushed a three-run homer, so that was nice. Uh, the Cubs and White Sox have been approved for full-capacity crowds, which not really surprised there, uh, as they are both in Chicago. Uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks broadcaster Bob Brenly is going to sensitivity training after his comment, pretty sure that's the same do-rag that Tom Seaver used to wear when he pitched for the Mets. Uh, aimed at J- Mets pick- I almost said Jets. Mets pitcher Marcus Stroman, who is black and has been outspoken against both racism and social justice. So, uh, super awesome uh, job by Brenly, like a dipshit. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what he was thinking. Like, that's, you have to be smarter than that if you're a broadcaster, but a lot of these broadcasters are still stuck in the old school ways where you could say whatever you wanted against somebody. You know, but it's like, uh, like George Carlin says, there's certain things you can say, like, you know, oh, the batter has two balls against him, but not like, oh, I think he got hit in the balls on that play. You know, it's the same thing, but context is everything. Right. But this, there's no context that there could be. No. No, there's nothing. Th- that, that that cannot be misconstrued in any way, shape, or form. He said he said what he said. So we've uh, we've we've uh, you know talked about this a couple of times on the show already about the abundance of no hitters. 
So it turns out that uh, Major League Baseball is uh, instructing their umpires to crack down on illegal substances. You know, after repeated efforts to dissuade pitchers from using illegal substances like pine tar and sunscreen, which has stuff that's been used forever by pitchers to get an advantage, get a little more spin on the ball, make the ball a little more active, lively, moving around a little bit more. Um, the league is going to crack down on them by giving the umpires more latitude. So uh, they're going to take two months of randling, randomly sampling baseballs and sending them to a third-party lab for inspection. Uh, it's already yielded a so lot. So that's what they've done. They spent the last two months of random sampling different baseballs from different games, sending them to a third-party laboratory for inspection, uh, which has yielded plenty of data. Now, Major League Baseball will not use that data to punish players retroactively, but they will continue to test things moving forward. And since they've made kind of like a blanket statement, this is not okay. We do not condone the use of these substances is in you know the way that you were i mean obviously wear sunscreen please you're out in the sun you know this the uv rays are terrible you know wear it but do not use it to help you control the ball well see that's and that's the thing is uh these uh these guys you know like the old saying if you ain't cheating you ain't trying you know there's pitchers have Always, like, there's a Bob's Burgers episode about it. What did you say? Like, there's a Bob's Burgers episode where, like, it's uh, the skidooch, um, the skidooch, torpedo, major, not major league, but the minor league baseball player uh, realizes that the grease from Bob's Burgers helps him pitch better. Yeah, but see, here's the other thing: he takes part of the burger and eats it. And goes, oh, I'll finish this on the mound and puts it in his back pocket. That shit would never fly. Like you can't have a goddamn burger in your back pocket. Well, while you're well no, I mean this was also a cartoon, right? But, but no, saying, no league is going to no, allow that. No, but what that. I'm saying is that you know, obviously people know what happens, and people are you know parodying it. And sometimes, sometimes like. Guys try to be creative, and other times guys are like, yeah, you're not like the Red Sox and Yankees. Like, there was a guy, I forget who the fucking pitcher was, but this is back when Francona was still managing. So it's it's been a while where, you know, the guy had, like, a huge glob of pine tar on his jersey, and he kept touching it and then touching the ball. It's like, okay, no, it wasn't Francona. It was the 2013 season. Um, you know, but... You know, it's this is happening. All guys will put on too much sunscreen, or guys with long hair will put shit in their hair, so they go to adjust their hat and mm-hmm. run their hands through their greasy ass hair. You know, to put shit on the ball. Like both sides will do it, and it's kind of one of those unwritten rules that like you don't call out the other team for doing it because your guy's going to be doing it too. But apparently it is starting to really affect the game on all counts. Yeah, people are pissed off because there's no offense. And, like, so many rules get changed to enhance offense and to speed the game along. So the reason why we're talking about this is because it was an article, a big article, uh, by ESPN writers. And the promotional picture for it was a baseball in a glove just completely covered with pine tar and and shit Mm -hmm. and you know it's the fact that it's really starting to affect the game and people are complaining yeah you know um 
there shouldn't I mean a no hitter is great and a very talented pitcher can make that happen but the fact that we've had how many this season like eight a or nine lot, a lot more like I mean you would maybe have a couple if you in had seven in a season that would be a lot it's fucking the first week of June and we've had like some teams have been no hit twice right like this is getting a little a, a little out of control so there and in some cases Guys are getting no hitters because their perfect games are being broken up. So the league is extending it to the the umpires to be able to do something about this. You know, giving that's them, typically who who does it anyway. Right, like giving them jurisdiction to say, you know, you can toss a guy for you know if you suspect the use, and obviously sometimes you can look at these balls and know that. There's something wrong with it. And Major League Baseball even went so far earlier this year as to introduce a new, uh, like a new, not a new formula, but like they had fixed the balls to, you know, liven them up a little bit, you know, to help improve home runs. And it still wasn't working because, you know, when you make things easier for one side, the other side is going to have to, you know, uh, compensate for that. So you make the ball livelier so it's going to travel further? Okay, well, I guess as a pitcher to combat that, I need to get a, a competitive advantage. I have to cheat a little bit. You know, maybe I, uh, like I've seen guys that will, uh, or not I've seen, but I've seen stories about guys who would tape uh, or super glue small bits of sandpaper to their index fingers so they can kind of rub down the seams or rub down next to the seams so the seams catch more air and the ball moves a little bit. You know, you see the guy, like, rubbing the ball in their hands and, you know, they're rubbing, you know, uh, you know, some sort of, you know, jelly. Or, like, the guy on uh, uh, on Bob's Burgers, like, oh, I hid stuff up my nostril. You know, no, what, and, you know, took stuff, uh, prescription medication to uh, enhance the production of earwax. You know, so anything he could do, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I know it's like supposed to be like far fetched, outrageous, but like if that was a thing, I guarantee you pitchers would be doing it. You know, like batters can take steroids. Why can't pitchers, you know, combat that? And, you know, that's what you're going to see in baseball. So I think that's interesting. Let's see what happens over the next couple of months. Uh, anything that ha- that they find in these labs, you know, there's not going to be any retro punishments because, you know, ex post facto rules, you know, it, you can't, you know, it's like if you're driving down the street and you go 50 miles an hour and the next day they change the speed limit to 30 miles an hour, well, you don't get a ticket because you went 50 the day before. So because the rule wasn't, I mean, quote unquote rule, like it was in place, but they're like, all right, we found this, knock it off. That's generally what pretty much every sports league will do hey we noticed this knock it off guys but if you do it again in the future we'll have no choice but to tell you to knock it off again you know they might make an example out of like you know some pitcher on a a a terrible team or like they'll fine you it's like oh they got fined fifty thousand dollars okay like there are guys that make that in a game like what do they see i'm surprised they haven't concocted their own like major league baseball hasn't made their own uh salve or something for pitchers that they could market because they like don't this want... is major league baseball no, no, approved no, no no you have to cheat that's the spirit of the game you have to understand with baseball tradition is 
everything. Doesn't matter how far the game has come. It's the unwritten rules. It's the t- tradition. Doesn't matter how good a guy is. You know, guys like Manny Ramirez, Roger Clemens, never getting in the Hall of Fame because, well, they broke an unwritten rule. Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds, the all-time home run leader. Yeah, he took steroids, but he was going up against pitchers who were doctoring the ball and, you know, rubbing uh, foreign substances on it. Like, this is shit that everybody knows is going on. You know, it's kind of like the the thing we talked about in hockey uh, a few weeks back when the guy got fired for saying, yeah, that was a makeup call. Mm. Everybody knows about it. You just can't talk about it and say it out loud. But, like... These are the rules, but like some of these guys, like the Baseball Writers Association of America, these are guys in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s that have been covering the sport. You know, it's like, ah, these guys are good, but they're no catfish hunter. You know, like. I don't know. I'm, I'm all for baseball goo. I'm all, for, I'm all for them, you know. That's the thing. Like, don't cheat, but if you do cheat, don't get caught. That's what it is. Like, I was thinking about something the other day. You know, I don't know why it randomly popped into my head, but uh, Ichiro, Ichi- Ichiro Suzuki, when he first started playing for the Mariners, uh, the Red Sox were accused of watering down the base paths to make them, like, muddier to slow him down because of the way he would, uh, the way he would hit is he was a left-handed hitter, and his batting stance and his swing made it so... As he swung, he was turning his body and already stepping towards first base. So he was already super fast, but he was also getting an extra advantage by the way his swing moved and he could run down the base path. So they were trying, like, they were accused of trying to slow him down. I'm like, yeah, but that's going to slow down your guys too. And they're not that fast to begin with. So, like, what? (laughs) I don't know. But there's a lot of weird shit in baseball that I'm not a huge fan of, but. It is what it is. All right, so we're almost wrapped up here. Um, Big news coming out of the <sighs> NBA this week. Yeah. The Celtics got bounced in five games by the Nets. So Danny Ainge, quote-unquote, retired, and Brad Stevens was, quote-unquote, promoted to president of basketball operations, taking over Danny's job. Or as uh, they referred to him on the Sports Hub the other day, GM Willikers. Because... <laughs> Why would he be given this job with no experience? Now, I know there's a lot of guys in the league who get coaching ex- who get to be coaches without ever coaching in the league or playing in the league, you know. Stevens himself did not play in the league uh, and was a college coach, had some success at Butler with Gordon Hayward and, you know, transitioned and was a very good coach for quite some time. So, there's a rumor going around uh, the coach of Duke, Mike Shashevsky, has announced his retirement n- of next year. He's not coming to the Celtics. No, 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 no. That that's not where I'm getting at. There's a rumor that he's not retiring yet. That he is retiring after the next season because they want Brad Stevens nope. as their coach. That's already been debunked because his assistant coach has already committed. Because I heard about this on the Sports Hub, too. Okay. Their assistant coach has already committed to take o- taking over for Krzyzewski oh, really? once okay. he steps down. Okay. Yeah. And because even if it was next year, Stevens is under contract until 2026. Yeah. 
that's when his that's when his and that's I think the main reason uh, the con- one of the conspiracy theories is okay, um, we're you know we're not just gonna fire you, and then we still have to pay you you know seven eight million dollars whatever per season to do nothing you know like oh I'm gonna take a year or two off he's only he's thirty nine he's younger than I am you know so we're gonna give you a couple of years. You know, you're not going to take a couple of years off and then come back to coaching. But And while while you're taking this time off, we're still paying you. No, if we're paying you, you're going to work. And if somebody else wants you to be their coach, a lot of coaching vacancies just opened up. Portland, uh, Orlando. You know, Portland would be a great place for him to go. That's a solid fucking team. So out what there. you're saying is this is almost like a, a, a an out for the Celtics. Well, I'm saying to get rid of him. Without having to pay him, I'm saying um, no. They're they're paying him, right? They're they're paying him, but they're, they're paying to him to an- do a job. But if he's going to go to another team, they would get compensation for him. If they just fired him, not only would they still be on the hook for his contract through till 2026 or until he got another job, uh, he, they would be letting him go for nothing, and he's going to be a highly sought after candidate. So. There, you know, the apparently the Celtics reached out to a bunch of different teams across the league about front office people, including Sam Presti, who I would love to see the Celtics get. Sam Presti, for folks who are unfamiliar with that name, like I know you're looking at me like I don't know who that is. Sam Presti has been the GM of uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder and drafted uh, Kevin Durant. Uh, Russell Westbrook and James Harden, three MVPs. He had all three on his team at the same time. Granted, all three of them are now gone, but he had three of them at one point. So the guy knows personnel. The guy knows how to draft. He also drafted Serge Ibaka. Like he's very good at what he does. However, because he's very good at what he does, he ain't going to come cheap. He's probably going to want 15 million a year. And the Celtics don't want to pay him $15 million a year while they're paying Brad. So I don't know what they're going to do. And the first thing that a new GM does in any sport, bring in his own guys. This is the coach I want. I didn't draft this player. I have no attachment to him. Let's get him out of here. And that's another thing. Brad was very critical throughout the year of the uh, the drafting process. And the um, the uh, the trade process and the way the team was put together, he was not happy with um, the fact that they had no size, and they you know they were like, oh no, Brad's Brad's the assistant GM. No, you know how Brad found out that his only big man was traded, Daniel Tice, at the trade deadline this year. One of the players told him after they saw it on Twitter. That's how he found out his team was changed. And then he got a call like, hey, just so you know, we trade. Yeah, I know. I saw it on Twitter. Thanks. But we'll also see exactly how well he gets along with some of these players because as president of basketball operations, he's now in a different role and he can be like, you know what? Danny's the one who liked Marcus Smart. I was never a huge fan of the way that he always hucks up threes nonstop. 
So I'm going to I'm going to get rid of him. I'm going to trade him for something. Tristan Thompson, yeah, that guy said he doesn't have to play until the spring because he can just turn it on because he knows because he's a champion. It's like, first of all, fucker, you played on a team where you were like the fifth banana behind LeBron, Kyrie, and and Kevin Love. So you can't turn it on in the spring. You have to play all year. So we'll see what happens. But that brings up a next question. Who will be the next coach? Now, there are a few very interesting names uh, and I like these three names. Juwan Howard, who played in the league, and, fun fact, was the first player when he played for the Washington Bullets to get a $100 million contract. He currently coaches the Michigan Wolverines, so that's a high-end college program. He's a guy who wants to coach. I think he would be great because, uh, and Mike Felger said this because he had someone reach out to him, someone who was very respected in the coaching community or in the NBA community who knows what they're talking about. So this isn't just like some guy at a cocktail party he said Howard would be great because he's, you know, grew up playing basketball in the South side of Chicago, you know, won a couple of rings with, I mean, he wasn't a, a main player anymore, but he won a couple of rings with LeBron in uh, Miami. So he's a champion. He's black. He's a former player. And he's not going to take any shit. He's not going to be like, oh, well, you know, uh, I didn't really see what happened there. Well, I mean, that's what I couldn't stand about Stevens is the fact that he was such a pushover. That's why they call him GM Willikers. Like, he's, oh, such, a, he's such a waspy type. Like, oh, good. Jeez. Gee whiz. Golly, you know, Jiminy Jillikers, guys. You know, and, and it just when you're dealing with all of the different personalities, uh all of the different arrogant personalities in the NBA, I, I don't think his coaching style was, it, it didn't fit. Well, these are guys. It didn't really fit. Um, these are guys who like he carried themselves as if they've already arrived and they well, won I mean, like, three or four championships. Deal with, he didn't have the type of personality to deal with the egos. Well, he also doesn't the have NBA. the cachet. I'm not a former player. I'm not black. I haven't won anything. Right. So, uh, yeah, and, and, you know, it's easy for, you know, a player to be like, well, why should I listen to you? A guy like Juwan Howard, who has a couple of rings. Chauncey Billups is another name. Uh, Chauncey, who was Just a former a really Celtic. really fun name. Was a former Celtic. The Celtics drafted him, and then Rick Pitino, who was the worst thing to happen to the fucking Celtics in a long time, traded him. And now Chauncey, Chauncey Billups was the leader of a team in the Detroit Pistons that was a very good team but took down a team uh, in the finals, a Lakers team that had Kobe, Shaq, Karl Malone, and Gary Payton. That was for their starting five. And Chauncey led his team, which was him, Rasheed Wallace, Ben Wallace, Rip Hamilton, and Tayshawn Prince. Shut down that team. So Chauncey would be great. Because Chauncey's got rings. Sam Cassell is another guy who the, both of these guys, you know, Billups and Cassell, are both coaching. Uh, I forget where you know they've coached in the league as assistants, assistants, and they've both coached in college as well. Um, Cassell is a guy who, in his first two years, um, was an NBA champion with the Rockets. You know, he's a guy who played with Hakeem and Charles and Clyde Drexler and 
you know, th- those are guys that, you know, you had to level up your game. You had to play at a high level in order to, uh, you know, maintain. And that was, you know, back in the, the mid-90s, back when basketball was a much different game. But, you know, I think uh, Billups is the youngest of all of them. Billups is only 44. You know, he only recently retired. I don't know if he's already in the Hall of Fame or if not, he will be. Um, But these are all guys who would be great to coach this team. Now, unlike some of these other teams, I think the only competition as far as, like, what's a good situation, uh, maybe Portland because they got Dame Lillard and C.J. McCollum and Yosef Nurkic and um, uh, Collins, uh, John Collins. Um, I think that might be a slightly better, but you're playing in the East with the Celtics. You know, you have Brown and Tatum and the worst contract in all of the NBA, Kemba Walker. Um, but I think these guys need, and it's evidenced, uh, the, the evidence for this is when Kendrick Perkins took a shot at, uh, at Jason Tatum on Twitter you know, a couple months back, Tatum responded by scoring 50 points. Like, Tatum is a guy who, and, and this is what really upset me about the Celtics getting bounced in five games. Like, Tatum showed that he can take a game over, and he can be that number one star that the Celtics desperately need and be a top five player in this league by dropping 50 points against the Nets. And he hit a couple of tough shots towards the end of that game. The referees tried their hardest to give the game to the Nets. They tried so hard. Like, even going to to the point where Marcus Smart had a foul called on him. They had called it on Durant initially because Durant lowered his shoulder and just plowed right into him. Mm. Nobody, had, Neither one of them had the ball, but they called a, a charging foul on Durant. Then they're like, you know what? We're going to review this. Eh, it's on the fouls on Smart instead, you know, which gave them uh, a free throw and the ball. So they tried really, and that was towards the end of the game. There were a lot of questionable calls, but they tried really, really hard to give the game to the Nets. And Tatum was just like, no, like he was playing out of his mind. Kyrie tried to guard him, and he just dusted Kyrie every time. Although Kyrie was playing the. Uh, Matador defense that entire game, and he just wasn't good. But the Celtics need a coach who can get through to Brown and can get through to Tatum. The, he, this coach would come in and be like, so uh, Kyrie Irving just walked over, and, you know, whatever side you stand on this, uh, this Kyrie stomping on the logo and, like, kind of wiping his foot on it, you know, whatever. You know, because Kendrick Perkins is like, who cares? It's a logo. Like, they tear that floor up so they can play hockey every night. You know, like, it's not that big of a deal. But then you have Garnett and Glenn Davis saying, like, that's a disrespectful move. You know, don't do that. You know, and I wouldn't have stood for it if I was playing. You know, when a guy like Juwan Howard or Chauncey Billups or Sam Cassell, who's from that earlier age, would be like, no, I'd be getting in that guy's face. You know, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't allow my teammates to be lining up, you know, for a a fucking smooch fest with Kyrie and all his buddies, you know, high fiving them and hugging them and everything. It's like, no, you you won, but then you're going to go that extra step and disrespect, you know, like we saw this in the NFL where Juju Smith Schuster was dancing on everybody's logos and then he got fucking lit up by the Bengals. Like, I don't know if you remembered that, 
but we talked about it on this on this show. It's like, oh, I'm going to dance on the logo before the game. It's like, yeah, okay, dance on the logo. But that's being disrespectful. You know, even Terrell Owens going back in the day, running to the 50-yard line when he played for the Niners to spike the ball after a touchdown on the Dallas Star logo in the mm-hmm. middle of the field. Teams know and understand that this is a disrespectful thing. He did it anyways, but instead of, like, coming out against him, you know, and being like, yeah, he shouldn't have done that. That was a dick move. No, they go over and they hug him and kiss him. Oh, everything's nice. Oh, thanks, Kyrie. That was so nice. You know, thank you, sir. May I have another? So get out of here with that. So whatever. Uh, The worst part about that, though, and I'll be 100% honest, um, the fucking fan throwing the bottle at Kyrie. Like, that was some bullshit. Yeah, that was that was uncalled for. It was stupid. It was a stupid move, and some people are like, well, is it motivated by race because it was a white guy throwing it at a black guy? Maybe. Maybe I don't know. It's probably just the fact that it's Kyrie Irving. And he disrespected our logo. You can't do that at the garden. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. It was a stupid move, but you know what Kyrie Irving didn't do? Lose his fucking mind and try to fight the fan. I mean, it's not like he got popcorn dropped on him. You know, guy threw a bottle and almost hit him in the head. He's being uh, charged with assault with a dangerous weapon. But this was a bullshit move by the fan, and he was rightfully uh, uh, arrested and ejected and being charged. That's what should happen. I am 100% against anybody throwing shit. Don't be a shitty fan. Right. That's what it comes down to. Don't be a shitty fan. I don't care how you personally feel about the players you do not disrespect them in that manner or attempt to injure them like you don't don't do that right like that that is uncalled for and i think proper action was taken right i think he should have been arrested and kicked out of the garden and banned for life because that's inexcusable behavior even the guy who threw popcorn at at westbrook like don't throw shit at people i don't care if you were like threw a pillow at him like i don't care what it is Obviously, throwing popcorn at someone isn't going to hurt them, but that's not thats not the it's point. The it's the symbolism behind the action. It's the intention. Or in law enforcement, they call it the mens rea and the actus reus. It's not just the act. It's the intention behind the act. So those are the things. So it's the intention of him throwing something at a player. Tavius so corpus. It's bullshit. That's, you know, having the body <laughs> in front of you. Um so that's bullshit. And uh, some folks are asking, should we change the logo? Fucking Lucky the Leprechaun, you know, which in itself is a racist fucking logo, you know, very similar to the fighting Irish logo of of uh, Notre Dame. Like, why don't we just have a shamrock there? Just a shamrock. We don't need fucking Lucky the Leprechaun. I'm fine with just a shamrock because Lucky the Leprechaun's not on any of the goddamn... Uh, it's not on the merch. It's not on. Well, the... it's on some of the merch, but I mean the uniforms. Right. Like well, the I'm saying he's uniforms. not really. But most of the merch that I see, it's the shamrock. It's... it's the green shamrock on the white background. Yep. That's what it is. Why not? Why can't we just do that? We don't need a goddamn leprechaun. That's, you know, Boston gets a bad reputation for being a racist racist city, and I 
I don't I, think I they're think any more racist this... than any other place in the country. No, but I do think that, you know, that logo kind of facilitates that racism a little bit. And I understand that that's a bi- it's a product of a bygone era where Boston had a huge Irish population and, you know, for it the most part still, still does. But Boston's a lot more diverse now, so if you're going to have a logo, it doesn't need to be a white guy. Well, well, I mean, there's that, and then there's the fact that the, the fact that they're called the Celtics, not the Celtics. Yeah, like, you can change your logo. That's fine. Yeah, just throw just, the, just do it. Throw it's the easy. shamrock on there. The shamrock's better anyway. Is it chicer? It looks better. If you folks, you know, have different thoughts, I would love to hear that. You know, maybe we'll I'll make a post in the group about this. You know, what what folks think. But uh, I think it's interesting. But the Celtics weren't the only team to go home early. The Lakers bounced out by Phoenix. Uh, the Lakers were unable to uh, to overcome the loss of Anthony Davis, who attempted to play through a very serious groin injury. But they could tell, even during walkthroughs, when you know it's just a walkthrough where he couldn't walk. Like, he attempted to play, and I give him credit, and I think most of that is because a lot of people call him soft and say that, you know, he has a reputation for having a low pain tolerance. But I think they would have been better off not having him play. I don't think it would have made a difference. But putting him in there allowed the uh, the Suns to just absolutely dominate the first quarter. Uh, it was 36-14 to 14 at the end of the first. Now, they didn't lose by that much. I think they lost by like six or seven points. They won or tied the rest of the three quarters, the Lakers did. But Booker went off for 47. He had 22 in the first quarter. And no one else on that team is really going to score. Like, Devin Booker's the one guy you have to watch out for, and they didn't. And, you know, this is the first time in his career that LeBron James has been... Uh, bounced out of the playoffs in the first round. So, another another question for for folks at home, you know, throw down. I'm sorry, uh, the loudest sports show at gmail dot com. Do you think that uh, LeBron's time in L. A. has added or detracted from his legacy, considering that they didn't make the playoffs his first year, they had to go out and get Anthony Davis. And they won the championship last year with the shortened season and the bubble and whatnot. And then a first-round exit this year because Anthony Davis couldn't play. And, you know, is it time to start talking about how LeBron is at this point in his career, you know, after all this mileage, all this wear and tear on his body, after all these games that he's played, is he at the point where he can no longer carry a mediocre team to, you know, playoff glory. And I think that's reasonable. I mean, the guy's 36, but he's been playing in the league for 18 years. You know? It's the kind of... uh, Not necessarily the kind of game that he plays, but it's the kind of player that he is. And I think that he still has it in his head that he's the greatest. And I am all for having, you know, be confident in yourself. But 
he still thinks that he's God's greatest gift to the NBA. And that's no longer the case. I mean, sure, it was at one point. He was a phenomenal player, but he's not that player anymore. And I think part of it is his ego. He has let everything go to his head and the fact that he cannot bow out gracefully. Well, it's not just He's that. not a gracious player. And the fit that he threw, him just leaving... Mm-hmm. That is bullshit. Well, that's what he does. But that is bullshit. That yeah. is absolutely bullshit. You win with your team, you lose with your team. You don't fucking leave because you know things aren't going your way. To be fair, a lot of a lot of guys have done it. The Celtics did it against the Pistons. The Pistons did it against the Celtics. The Jordan did it uh, a couple of times. But this was also at a time where there were heated rivalries, where guys were getting clotheslined and punched and elbowed in the face, and fouls weren't being called. As opposed to, oh, he looked at me wrong, so I have to call a technical. Like, like LeBron, he just, he is just, like, when I think of LeBron James, the first word that comes to mind is tantrum. Yeah. You know, laying on the you ground know, after being poked in the eye. It's not, uh, it's not great player. It's not, you know... Uh, great at free throws. It's not oh, it doesn't terrible have, free it doesn't, throw shooter. Saying, like when I think of LeBron James, the first thing that comes to my mind has nothing to do with him on the court playing the game. It's the tantrums that he throws when things aren't either going his way or if he's not having a great game and instead of owning up to it, takes it out on everybody else. Right. It's always, you know, there was a bunch of people like, all right, you know, who's the first teammate he's going to throw now, under the bus? Don't get me wrong. I think LeBron James is a phenomenal person off the court. His well, philanthropic also... endeavors have are, 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 you know, unmatched. And, you know, he seems to be a really great person when he's not playing the game of basketball. So is it time for him to leave the league? No. I'm also going to throw this out there and say that, you know, I'm not – Neither of us is doubting his greatness because we've seen what he's done, you know, especially with a good supporting cast around him right, and he, what he's done he with bad done that teams. recently. Well, no, again, like I said, you know, it's, you know, father time is undefeated. This is a, this is a player who, because of his success in the playoffs, has played more games than anyone. Like, you know, if you count his playoff uh, success, you know, Say you go five, you know, six games throughout four rounds of the playoffs, 24 games. That's a third of a season. So every three years, you're playing an extra season. And this is a guy who makes the finals almost every year. You know, so he, you know, he's in the conversation for greatest of all time. I can't put him up there, you know, because I don't think he has, you know, certain, like you're saying, certain intangibles. You know, like there was a, a great meme that uh, our buddy Lavelle posted, and we talked about it last week. Kobe and, and Jordan and Bird and guys like that would try to convince you they weren't hurt when they were, and LeBron tries to convince you he is hurt when he isn't. Like, again, you're 6'8", 280 pounds, you're a big, powerful guy, and you're acting like these little guys can throw you around. I mean, he's not as bad as, say, Chris Paul when it comes to flopping, but, you know... The fact that, you know, he acts like, you know, he can get out-muscled and out, out, uh, overpowered by guys half his size, but at the same time will charge like a goddamn locomotive down the middle of the lane and hammer the, the ball through the net. 
you know, and then, you know, walk up the court, you know, with this mean look on his face, like, I'm so bad, nobody can stop me. Oh, except this, uh, you know, 6'3 point guard that weighs 180 pounds. He just knocked me down. Now I have to writhe on the ground for five minutes because, oh, I'm so hurt. Or I have to leave a a finals game in, in the final two minutes because I have cramps because, you know, it's it's hot out here. And I don't – it's not like, you know, NBA players have, you know, tons of water and Gatorade on the sidelines that they could just, you know, You know what, drink. honestly, that's fucking bullshit. I work with cramps at least for a week every single month. And you mm-hmm. know what? Fuck that. Yeah, and you're not making nearly You don't see me complaining. I still show up. So enough uh, dumping on LeBron. You know, everybody's going to have their opinions. And, you know, this series I don't think is going to change anything for anybody. You know, because I, I, I've seen people, well, if this affects his his conversation in the in the go you know, as a as the greatest of all time, well then you have to consider Jordan missed the playoffs three years in a row, you know, or he got bounced in the first round three years in a row. It's like, yeah, but they were playing against Bird Celtics. And, and, you know, Isaiah's Pistons. So, let's, you know, this wasn't Devin Booker's sons. Uh, the Mavericks had a chance to close out the, uh, the Clippers, but the Clippers behind uh, Kawhi Leonard's 45 points forced a Game 7 back in L.A. Nuggets bounced the Blazers out, as we mentioned earlier. The Blazers uh, also parted ways with their coach. And I, I don't think he was a bad coach. I think it was just they needed fresh voices. The Bucks are ready to host the Nets in what a lot of folks are thinking is could be the best series. And this is like an NBA Finals preview, but it's happening in the second round of the playoffs. Uh, I think the Bucks are going to take this um, because I think Giannis has the killer instinct that none of the stars on uh, on uh, New Jersey, uh, Brooklyn has. You know, maybe. James Harden has that, but he also chokes in the playoffs. But maybe having two other superstars next to him can help. Uh, but I think Durant is too soft, and I think Kobe is and Kobe, Kyrie is too much of a head case. Uh, the Hawks closed out the Knicks, and now they're ready for Philadelphia. And Philadelphia won their series in five, despite Embiid missing basically two and a half games and. Ben Simmons doing what Ben Simmons does and refusing to shoot. You remember at the beginning of the year when we had our NBA preview and everybody's like, yeah, well, you know, Doc Rivers won't let won't let uh, Simmons just, you know, drive the lane. He's going to make him shoot threes. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. He refuses to still. You know, he's the only fucking point guard that refuses to shoot threes. Like, he just will not shoot outside the paint. I don't know why. So... um. Whatever. So in uh, NFL news, uh, Cam Newton left practice early because he hit his throwing hand on someone's helmet. And, uh, you know, that's the thing. Apparently it's a uh, a bruised bone. Yeah. um, Pat McAfee was talking with A.J. Hawk on his podcast, uh, and he was saying, like, this is one of the quickest ways if you're a rookie to get fired from your job and get cut from your team is hurting the quarterback. And, you know, they have a couple of NFL guys on there, including A.J. Hawk, uh, and one of the things that they that they talk about is these guys don't coming out of college. In college, you are used to one hundred percent all the time going uh, going hard at practice. You have to go hard at practice all the time. But in the NFL, it's not like that because if somebody gets hurt, there goes your season. Like you don't go near the quarterback. You don't hit the quarterback. 
like you don't put your hands up in front of his like if he's about to throw like you go away from him you don't touch the quarterback and certain guys you know don't get that because they're out there competing for a job or trying to mm-hmm. you know make a name for themselves in the league because they're a high draft pick or what have you and they can't do that so we'll see what happens with cam um i can't imagine this is going to help him in any way and maybe it opens up the door for Mac Jones. Like, there's been a lot of chatter at Patriots camp where, like, hey, Mac Jones is doing this. Hey, Mac Jones is doing that. And Cam is certainly there. Like, <laughs> uh, some good news in the NFL. Uh, a donor has been found for ex-Panthers tight end Greg Olson's son uh, who needs a heart transplant. And they, uh, I think they just did it. And the surgery oh, was wow. done successfully. Oh, so good. Uh, that's, that's awesome. Um, and something we talked about a couple of weeks ago, and I don't know what people thought about this, whether that we, they thought we were spouting conspiracy theories or, or what not, or what, but the NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell has announced that the NFL will no longer employ what is known as race norming, which is something we discussed as far as it pertains to concussion, concussion protocols, cognitive tests for determining, uh, whether or not. A player is due compensation for uh, years of systematic um, concussive trauma in the NFL. So what race norming was, was assuming that, like, okay, we need to get a baseline of what your normal cognitive functions are to see if they've declined to a level that would indicate that your uh, playing in the league has impacted your ability to think, remember, you know, any neurological impairment whatsoever. And what they were doing was operating on the assumption that black men automatically started at a lower level than white men. So say it was a, and I don't know what the numbers are, what the scale is, but say on a scale of one to 10, you had a white guy that came in and said, okay, um, I was normally an eight, but now I'm a three. I lost five points in my cognitive ability. Um, and they say, well, you know what? That's right, because, you know, you're on a scale of one to ten. A black man would come in and say the same thing. Like, I've lost my cognitive ability. Well, you know what I'm saying. Like, they wouldn't literally say this, but it's like, well, you're not on a scale of one to ten. You're black. You're on a scale of one to seven. So you went from a seven to a three. Well, that's not bad. Well, it's not really not that bad. So don't worry about it. You know, seven to three isn't bad at all. Um, yeah, we uh, just watched uh, Taylor Hall take a couple of right hands from, uh, I think it was Matt Martin, who, like I said, fourth-line player, all he's good for is... Uh, cross-checking people and, and fighting because he has zero skill. Oh, nope, sorry. Uh, that was uh, Mayfield. Ooh, Mayfield hooked Hall, and there was no call. So Hall grabbed him, and they got into it, and Hall dropped his gloves. Uh, Ripped his helmet off, too. Well, grabbed him by the by the strap and punched him in the face. Mayfield got him a couple of times, but then uh, Hall took him down to the ice. Yeah, he got a couple of shots to the ribs, but Hall got him right in the Visor. Right in the first. All right in the visor. 
right in the visor. Yeah, he definitely. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, he's he's marked up a bit. Yeah. Mayfield's marked up a bit, and he's flexing his hand. So he's hurt, but as long as Taylor hey. Hall didn't break anything in his hands, I like that energy. So, yeah, sorry, going back to the, the, the cognitive test, they'd say, well, you know, you only lost a couple of points. Not assuming that, you know, oh, I went from an 8 to a 3 on a it's scale of Taylor 1 to Hall's 10. Taylor Hall's first NHL fight since 2011. Wow, 10 years in between fights. Wow. Uh, Hall, uh, sorry, to get back to hockey for a moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hall has been so impressive in these playoffs. I mean, he only has uh, he know gained is. a couple of points, but his energy is just there. He wants to show bad. He's so the fact really that, well. you know, and he is showing up for his teammates. He's, you know, representing himself really well uh i'm just i'm 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 a hall stan right now like i I, i'm loving him on the bruins i think this also kind of shows that the referees need to get a little more involved when it comes to calling some of these uh these infractions so uh you know guys like taylor hall don't have to fight but that's me uh so yeah Operating on the assumption that, you know, well, you couldn't possibly get up to a 10, so you didn't really lose four points. You really lost, like, one because you are already given three away, so yeah, who cares? It's not that big of a deal. Like, you couldn't get up to that point anyway, so the fact that, you know, you only went from a, a 7 to a 5, you know, isn't a big deal. Where, you know, this is a guy who could have been operating at 10, but no, they your scale doesn't go up that high because you're black. So... Basically, what the NFL said is, yeah, we've been racist for fucking ever, and we've been doing all kinds of racist shit. Mm-hmm. But don't worry, we're not going to do it anymore. It's like, okay, fuck you. And it's like Eugene Chung saying that, you know, uh, interviewing for a coaching job, and they're like, yeah, you're a minority, but you're the wrong kind of minority. Like, we don't really care about Asians. We we want black guys. So, Sorry. But then they don't want black guys because Eric fucking Bieniemy doesn't have a goddamn job, even though he's been the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs for years. So, ooh, another fight. Looks like uh, Clifton Tenorti, ooh, Clifton Tenorti Lazar uh, with Pollock. We got Wagner. Ooh, there's some there's some chippiness. I'm liking it. Was that Barzell? Barzell going off on a penalty. Clutterbuck pushing Lazar in the face, but Lazar not smartly. Well, because he's right in front of the referee. Right, and also because Cal Clutterbuck will beat the shit out of him. Ooh, here we go. Now we got Matt Martin and, and uh, Tenorti. Martin, again, oh, that's Tenorti all he does. Tenorti will fuck you up. Tenorti took on, if you remember, Tenorti took, took on, on Wilson, Wilson in one of his first games. Martin is a tough customer. Tenorti's hanging in there. Oh, oh and he took he him down. Oh, yeah. He, uh, Tenorti was kind of ducking under a couple of a uh, couple of the hits here, and uh, grabbed Martin by the back of his jersey and yanked him down to the ice. So we have two fighting penalties in a matter of moments. <laughs> Within like the first couple minutes of so play. So there's now three, three guys, guys in the island. You got Barzell. Uh, Barzell. Oh, Tenorti did kind of ride uh, Everly, Everly into the into the boards, and then uh, Barzell got. Upended. Oh, that's why. Because Barzell cross-checked him in the fucking face. Yeah, I can see why he's a little upset by that. Uh, Yeah, so the big big scrum, Dobson. Yep, and Martin got two shots to him, punched him in the arm a few times. 
Tenorti ducked under it, grabbed him by the back of the jersey, and said, enough is enough, and took him down to the ice. So that fourth line of, uh, oh, Boston's on the power play because of it, uh, that fourth line of Martin, Sezikis, and Clutterbuck, the only guy who has any offensive skill of those th- of those three is uh, Casey Sezikis. Um, Clutterbuck is just uh, a wrecking ball who will occasionally score. Uh, reminds me a lot of Sean Thornton. And uh, what's his name there? Uh, Martin? Martin's only there to fight and hit. He's like if... He's like John Ott. Remember John Ott, the guy that was like 6'8"? It was almost as big as uh, as uh, Chara, and he was just a fucking goon. That's all he did. He scored like three goals in his career. That was like 18 years. Uh, yeah, he wasn't he wasn't good. And that's what that's what Martin is, except without <coughs> the size. So, like, they employ a very gritty, like, yeah, here's the cross check. Richie came in to play the puck, and... Barzell cross-checked him in the fucking mm. jaw, like right in the side of his face. So that's why Barzell's in there, and that's why the fights broke out. So it'll be interesting because we have the sound off. We're just kind of giving you guys a little bit of play-by-play. With and that's why I, I really like Tenorti as well because, I mean, he's uh, hasn't he's been a- playing with the Bruins for a while, but... Uh, he definitely goes to bat for his teammates. Yeah, he's 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 definitely a bottom eight defender. Like he's not he doesn't have the the skill quite yet, but he's trying to make a name for himself, kind of like how Kevin Miller used to be. But Miller has gotten better as a defensive player. Um, but Tenorti needs to get there. Very similar to uh, Trent Frederick, but he mm. doesn't have Trent Frederick's uh, offensive ability. Not that Frederick's, you know, a fucking, you know, goal-scoring machine, but... Yeah, but Frederick's... Oh, well, I mean, you guys know how I feel about Trent Frederick. Oh, we both love Trent Frederick. Um, But, yeah, so that's our NFL news. Uh, Julio Jones still hasn't been traded, so we're still waiting to see what happened to that. I thought he was going to get traded on June 1st, but it looks like, you know, they may hang on to him, or, you know, they're maybe trying to see... What else is going on with a couple of uh, potential trade suitors? But I'm I'm very curious to see what happens with with him. Uh, see where he ends up. So apparently he they have a a, a conditional an offer f- for a future first round pick, and rumors are that it might be Seattle because Seattle does not have a first Come round pick this on. year. Uh, nobody else is offering a first round pick. So we'll see what happens. All right. So I think that's uh, that's enough of the of uh, of the news because otherwise we're just going to end up sitting here. Uh, you really don't want to play by play of the Bruins game that are happening right now. Yeah, because you, by the time you get it, it's going to happen. By the time I mean, you it's get gonna it, it's going to have already yeah happened. The game would be over. Um, yeah. So we have we have to we have a game to watch. We have some finished long drink to consume. Yes, we do. And some uh, pizza to eat. Some some pizza. We're gonna make so, some homemade pizza. Yeah. So I think with uh, with that, uh, Slashes, anything uh, to say? Until next week, kids, try to stay out of the penalty box. Yep. And go Bruins! That's right. Got a hot take prediction or disagree with something we said? Let us know at the loudest sports show at gmail.com. Follow us on social media, uh, Twitter, loudest underscore show, uh, Instagram, at the loudest sports show. And until then, peace out. We out of here. Good night. Good night. I love you. Peace out. I'm out of here. <laughs>